Welcome to a special bonus episode of the 50 Cups of Coffee podcast. I am your host, Bobby Audley, and I'm a speaker and trainer with the Pinot Training Group. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, then you know on the last episode I said I was taking a break. Well, this is a special bonus episode, and I'll explain what that means in a little bit. If you are a coach who has sent this specific link, either by us or perhaps another coach, allow this bonus episode to be an introduction into who we are and what we are all about at the Pinot Training Group. Since this is a special bonus episode, my introduction is going to be short and sweet. All I will say is on this episode, you are going to be dropped into the middle of a conversation I had with the head women's soccer coach at the University of Delaware, Mike Barracaro. Mike and I know each other well, and so we talked for about 90 minutes about his playing days, his coaching career, and what he believes about culture and leadership. This bonus episode is 30 minutes of that interview where Mike and I get into the work we do together and and how we are continuing to serve his team and keeping them connected during this time of quarantine. If you don't know Mike, Mike began his coaching career as the director of operations at Rutgers before coaching at Rutgers, as well as at UMBC, the College of Charleston, head coach at Iona College, associate head coach at NC State, and this fall, Mike wrapped up his third season as the head coach at Delaware. At NC State, Mike helped lead the Wolfpack to their best season in 21 years, earning their first NCAA appearance since 1996 and first ever NCAA Sweet 16 birth. That year, the entire NC State coaching staff was named the 2016 NSCAA Southeast Staff of the Year and was elected as finalist for the NSCAA National Staff of the Year. At Delaware, this past season, Mike's team amassed the most wins in 25 years. They were the third best single season turnaround in the NCAA Division I, most overtime wins in the nation, and first ever major award at Delaware was given to Olivia Shook, who was named the Defensive Player of the Year. At the Pinot Training Group, we are tremendously proud of our partnership with Coach Barracaro, and we thought, who better than a coach to share how we serve teams, especially during this time. To hear more about Mike's coaching journey, look out for a future episode. For now, enjoy this teaser clip of My Cup of Coffee with Coach Mike Barracaro. From the Delaware side of things, uh, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, so you get to Delaware as a head coach, uh, what, 2017? What was your first year, 2016, 2017? 2017, 17, 18, 19, yeah, this was my third okay. year. So. Mm -hmm. What And what did you inherit when you got there? Like, what type of program did you inherit, and what type of program did you seek to build? Um, I think... So, so when I got there from, from a, from a sheerly soccer perspective, it was an inexperienced group, I think, um, from the sense of there was no experience in, uh, success. So we, I did inherit a large senior class. So I guess from a sheerly, from a minutes played standpoint, we had some experience on the roster, um, but we didn't have any meaningful experience with regards to actually being successful and what it takes to be successful on the field. From a culture standpoint, um, you know, it, it's actually funny. It reminded me a little bit more of my first job coaching women's club soccer at Rutgers. I mean, it was more of the, the, the atmosphere was an atmosphere of this is, this is a place that you come to every day um, because you like it. 
and it's easy and it's more of a hobby than it is a lifestyle for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I, I think I walked into a place where playing soccer was a hobby for the players on the team and not, not a lifestyle decision. You know, it was, we came to university of Delaware because of the academic profile, because of the social opportunities and, Oh yeah, I, I play soccer too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was kind of, I think it was kind of like that, to be honest. I don't think, it, I don't think that was every player on the roster. Um, but I think that was probably the overarching, um, environment. That's literally what your, so the seniors that I had a chance to work with my first time last season, um, they almost said the exact same thing when I asked them because they, because they were a group of people, right. That experienced the former team and then your team. Yeah. And, uh, and they said exactly the same thing. It wasn't every play, obviously, because for them, um, they, you had, you had such buy-in for what you wanted to create because of those couple seniors really that were just, that didn't came to a school really not focused so much on soccer. And then when you came on board, shifted their mindset to say, we're, we're down with this. We want to, we want to be a part of what's being built here. So that's exactly what they shared. Uh, It wasn't everybody wasn't necessarily toxic. It just wasn't brought into um, as creating a winning program. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily toxic. I think it was certainly functional within um, within what it was, right? Yeah. Um, if it was if it was a place that you wanted to be at and just kind of have fun playing and but do it on your own terms uh, without any real expectations, then yeah, it was fine. It was functional. It was that was fine. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, different. I would say vastly different from what it is now. But I think honestly, Bobby, when you asked me about like the intentionality of maybe bring people into our program from the outside. Like when we decided to uh, begin the partnership with you. Yeah. I mean the, the, that decision to want to utilize you guys happened about, like you said, about a year before we actually did um, because that previous year, that year leading up to it, I, I didn't think we were there. The little things that we needed, you know, walking into all these different environments, they weren't quite, the environments didn't quite mirror what I felt the environment should look like in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel like we were quite there yet. You know, like we were at a place where we were, we still had to remind them maybe to, to, to be off their cell phone during a team meal. You know what I mean? And so in my, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well uh, we do a team meeting uh, or I bring in this, this outside person. Um, I, I, I can't make that investment in that, in that, I can't make that, that, that time and that financial investment in bringing Bobby in to work with our group if I don't think every player within the group is going to be plugged into what he's, uh, um, to what he's trying to, to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, for, for lack of a better maybe analogy, I felt like we had to be at a place where our team, you know, didn't have to be, uh, or, or we had to be at a place where we were not distracted by anything else to be able to fully take in the environment that we were in. And I think going into this past season, I think we were finally there. I think we were finally at a place where we were ready to be in the moment, in every moment. Well, I know, I know you've shared this with me before, and I'll ask you to share it again because I want to. I think um, I'm honored every time you you share this, and I think it'd be helpful for other 
coaches to hear. Um, what would you say the impact was of, of our programming over the past season? Uh, immeasurable, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I, I think, again, you have an idea of like, okay, our team is ready for this. Uh, they're ready to take the next step in their, uh, in their personal holistic development and their team holistic development. Um, you know, they're ready to take the next step in being responsible for their team culture. I think they under, they're finally at a point where they understand how important a, um, a positive team culture is. Um, so again, I think going into, going into the start of our partnership, I had an idea of in my mind of if our roster is really ready for this, if I'm right about this, then, uh, we should be able to get that extra push that we need, um, in the right direction. Um, that is something that is, you know, maybe not my area of expertise. And what I would say is I think that the impact that your programs made with our team was immeasurable, but I do believe that a lot of it had to do with both you and I working together to make sure that it was the right time for what we were doing. I think that was such a big part of it. And I think we together by sharing information with one another, I think we got that right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we hit the kids at, at, at the right time. Um, but because I think we hit them at the right time, they were like sponges. I think they took in everything that we were both asking them to take in with regard to what the program was. Um, I think you helped lay, you helped add a layer of perspective um, that I think they needed. Uh, and, and, and I think your program is designed to do that. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I think as a coaching staff, we also knew it was the right time. We were really invested in the messaging um, and the direction that your program helps lead a team. So then when you left campus, we were still trying to um, apply the same principles uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think over the course of this past competitive season, over the course of this past fall, after we did the initial workshop in August, Bobby, I think you and I were in contact pretty regularly, probably once every two weeks, even if it was just a short conversation by phone, um, you know, going over either what we were doing to uh, continue to integrate ideas uh, or what else we could be doing to continue to integrate the ideas. But, um, but the, the, the impact of the program was, was immeasurable. And I think the best part about the program is it, it doesn't have to end. I think the program can, can continue to evolve for your team in any, in really, in any way that you want it to, and 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 so I think that that's also for me been the most, um, I, I guess not. I don't want to say surprise, but the most pleasant part about this partnership is we've been able to work together to evolve this program into something that we can continue to utilize and continue to see benefit from. Um, so it's unlike a lot of other programs that I had vetted in the past or been um exposed to in the past because a lot of them it's it's more maybe lecture based and hey here here's our spiel go think about that go stew on that for a little bit right and um and this really in in so many ways this isn't a um this isn't um this isn't i, I would even say it's not even a it's not even as much a program as it is a partnership because it's constantly evolving 
Uh, I mean, even down to what we did last week with our team via that Zoom session. I mean, that was something that you and I had chatted about. We had shared ideas about. Um, and, I, and I do feel like that session was uniquely geared to our team. And I think, you know, all in all, I think the, the, the best part about our partnership um, has been that it's, you've done such a great job about being open and I think you're such a, uh, an experienced facilitator of, of, your, um, of your program that it becomes this fully customizable experience for whatever, a, uh, for whatever any unique group needs. Um, never mm-hmm. once have I felt like what we've done with our, our team has been this uh, generic presentation, if you will. It's, it's, it's not. It's this customized experience specifically for specifically to touch on on our group uh and and what they need and i just think that's the mark of a, of an experienced facilitator i do you know i i don't think you know you, you know how to you know how to read the group you know how to connect with with the group and so then the the experience for my team becomes this unique fully customized experience that can evolve as time goes on so that it really is a partnership and not just a presentation that I'm buying. Right. Yeah. Like what you do with our group is not something that they can click on a video and watch. It's not the same. Right. And, and, and a lot of the times when you, when you, you know, throughout the course of my career, 17 years of coaching college soccer, um, working with college players, working with pro players, you see a lot of, um, ideas for team building that are just uh, kind of like a, a one-stop shop and um, and it's not it's not customizable for the needs of the individuals within the group and I think to be able to you know we talk a lot about team building but I think sometimes the things that we forget are the teams are made up of individuals so you have to grow them as a unit but you only you can only do that if you touch on them individually and I feel like you the way that you facilitate your program touches on every single one of the individuals within our group and allows them to grow uh, closer as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I appreciate, I would say I appreciate your trust with the partnership because you're, you're 100% right in the sense that what we do is not, we have, we have a, uh, a, a structure, we have an idea, we have a lot of, of, content to pull from and resources of doing facilitation for years and years and years and Ryan and I putting both our heads together too and um, I specifically remember the second workshop I did with your team I had asked you to schedule it for two hours and um, went in with a plan and started like I do every workshop by saying to the players um, you know, cause we were, you were halfway through your season at that point. So I said, um, let's talk about what's working, what's not working and what we need to do differently moving forward. Like that's how we start. And within 10 minutes, the conversation was really focused on the players needing to have conversations with each other. Um, which is what I call feedback, right? It's yeah. sharing with each other what they need from each other. So I had no intention of doing that process. And, and, and I was like, you know, what? let's set it up. We get up, set it up. And, and what ended up happening was it was a really cool process, but we're done 30 minutes early. And I felt really good about how we served the team. And uh, I didn't know how you were going to feel. I didn't know you, like we knew each other well enough. But this is only our second time working together that I was a little bit worried about like, ah, like I think this was really good. 
And I hope as a coach, you're not looking at it as, well, you're shortchanging my team a half hour. And, and, uh, and as a coach, I'm all about time efficiency, dude. I know. Right? Well, yeah, to your credit, you didn't, you didn't care uh, and you trusted that what we did you know, matter. And quite frankly, I think the third workshop I went over by 15 minutes, so I probably made up for it, but, uh, <laughs> but it definitely, um, you know, and in this, in this era of social distancing, we've had a lot of people who haven't worked with us, uh, well-meaning people who have said, well, you know, you just got to put your stuff online. Yeah. And, and there's certainly things we can put online. I have my podcast. Uh, we have recordings we could do about concepts of leadership and team, but, I think what we really have stood by for years is we are not teaching this stuff. We are facilitating a process. Like you said, facilitate. Like that is for us, it's a nuance that matters. Um, when we say we're not motivational speakers, we are facilitators, and and it's and so that's where we've challenged ourselves to say, you know what? How can we facilitate this over over Zoom? And it's not perfect. I personally don't think anything replaces in person, or will ever. And, and what can we do to make this work and make it effective? And, and yeah, I think uh, you and I had a lot of conversations about that Zoom session we put together. And, and I think it was, uh, it was as effective as we can be, right, over Zoom. Instead of taking them through some, some PowerPoint, I did a little bit of that. And then it was, let's get the players talking to each other via this platform and have the code you shared too, which was really great. And um, it's been a cool journey for us. Uh, I've done a handful of those now with different teams. And this weekend I'll be doing my first one with a team we've never worked with. And uh, what I love about coaching is we come to them as a recommendation. So there's, there's that trust uh, once again uh, to say, like just facilitate this conversation with our players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's funny. I think we've been lucky to have, um, I guess to start with you in the more traditional route, right? <laughs> like where, where we were able to be in person, uh, yeah. do a few sessions in person, but then to uh, make this transition now um, onto Zoom, I actually think it's been a unique and uh, kind of refreshing challenge for our players. I actually think it's been, um, you know, and you can spin it to be a really good thing. I mean, obviously I would, I agree with you. I don't think anything replaces in person. I would love to do everything in person, whether it's training my team, team building, whatever it is, I would love to do that in person. But, um, you know, I think when you do things on, on via zoom, you really need to try like the effort really needs to be there from every party. Um, not just from the facilitator, but from myself as the, the coach to every single one of my players, you really got to be invested to make something work via distance. And, um, and so I think it's been really cool because the players, I think in many ways have to step outside, um, their comfort zone a little bit to hit like the unmute button and start talking and, um, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool little, um, wrinkle on the, on, on the, on the program that, that I like. I mean, obviously I think probably speak for everybody when I say I can't wait for things to uh, settle down a little bit and allow us to get back to whatever our new normal is. But, um, but I think it's a really unique way to get, to still get all the things that we need as a group um, 
over, you know, in, in a more modern, <laughs> I guess, in a more modern, you know, technological way. And I think, too, you mentioned kind of the, the comfort, confidence, outside your comfort zone it takes to hit on you. 100% agree. Um, I've experienced that on the calls that we're on. Like there's something to hitting on you and, and having to get everybody's attention that it's like in your head, it's like, man, I better have something pretty good to share here. And, uh, and, and so the players are doing that with their teammates. And on top of it, I received, I always get after a training or a workshop, I'll get a couple of text messages or emails from players, mm -hmm. um, either appreciation or questions in doing these zooms with, multiple teams i've received more emails in the last couple of weeks than ever before and what that tells me is how appreciative the players are of even the hour that we do together yeah. and i think there's now that now that people are isolated there's there is that appreciation for community that appreciation for connection that appreciation for team and they understand the intentionality too my theme last week or whenever we did it was that you know Every, everybody's going through this right now. Yeah. So you're going to show up let's, in the fall. Let's hope we're showing up in August. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and if you sit back and say, well, of course we aren't, you know, we made a lot of strides as a team coming together, our commitments, you know, last season, but then this, this you know, COVID-19 thing happened. So obviously we took a step back. Some teams are going to say that. And then there's going to be a handful of teams that say, because of COVID-19, we came together in a more strong and powerful way. And those are the teams that, like I said, you know, you're, you're leading them and saying, let's have these conversations. And they're coming together stronger because there's a greater appreciation for this kind of stuff. And so you're right. Uh, it, it really is. It has been cool to see how the players engage in this platform. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's, uh, it's been unique for sure, um, but, but appreciated. You know, I think, um, you know, listen, I, I will tell you from my perspective, personally, I am so thankful that we, that you and I, and my, my team and your, uh, and your program have this ongoing relationship during this time, because, um, the time, the times that we're going through right now, they are unique, they're unprecedented and, uh, they present these unique challenges. Um, but I do feel uh, a sense of comfort knowing that um, we have as, as, as a team, myself, my coaching staff, my players, and you, that we are all working together to continue to prioritize connection. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a, a massive part of why we are all bought into that is because we've seen um, the fruits of that. Uh, previously, so we know how important it is. Um, you know, if, if we if we hadn't done previous um, workshops with you and seen uh, how impactful they are, um, you know, I, I I I don't you know I don't know if I would have such a clarity in the direction that I want to take my team right now. Um, mm -hmm. And my my direction that I want to take the team, it's it's for me, it's crystal clear right now, which is unbelievably comforting for me as a leader. You know, I don't question myself. I question myself about everything, man. I question myself about what I'm going to have for breakfast. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm, you know, when it comes to prioritizing connection, communication and connection during, during this uncertain time that we're going through right now, I have not questioned that not one time. And uh, so for me, it makes me 
you know, I have an incredible sense of ease and comfort knowing that I feel like uh, the direction that myself and my staff are taking with our program is the right direction. Um, yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with, with, you know, the, the history that we already have developed with you guys. Well, and I want to honor that you're a coach who, as soon as this kind of was coming down the pike of, of COVID-19 and coronavirus and all that it meant, um, you were one of the first coaches prior to even states and, and, and entire universities calling things off. One of the first coaches to say, you know what, like, let's let's prioritize health let's prioritize family don't worry about soccer right now and that you and i talked that first week that the players were sent home and all that was on your mind was ensuring that the players are safe taken care of and that their mental state is healthy you were one of the first coaches i talked to who said um, not the only uh, i've talked to other coaches since who have said the same thing but you said you know uh if i start sending them soccer drills and this was before the NCAA weighed in on anything and you said if I start sending them soccer drills and, and, and routines and things to do that's that's naive to the reality that this is a real world problem yeah. and and I think that how we respond in these times is is indicative of how we respond in all times like who you are at the lowest level of your program is who you are at the highest level of your program and so we started this whole conversation with you saying how you know because of your experiences in college, you have come to appreciate the human connection of sports and how being, you know, a soccer player's worth on your team isn't about their playing time or their skill. And you are proving that now in your response to this. Um, Kevin Dempsey is another coach who's a friend of yours at Loyola. I talked to him a couple days after you, and he really, the conversation was the same. Uh, just focused on the players as individuals and as people. Um, you connected me to A and M. That staff is the same. Uh, their their focus is on the players. When I got on, when I hopped on with them for a Zoom, I hopped on with the coaches the day before I did with the team, and and I said, "How you guys doing?" And they said, "We miss our players." Yeah. Like it was a genuine, almost sadness. Like we just miss being with our players day in and day out. And I think that is just. Uh, you cannot fake that and you cannot replace that in coaching. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%, Bobby, it's true. I mean, I know that we miss, we miss our players a ton. It's just, we, we have a really, we have a great group. We have a great group. Numbers one through number 26, they're all, they're all great kids. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hard to be away from them uh, because they really do become family. Um, and so it's, it's hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, 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 I'm happy to know that they're all in good places, that they're all safe. They're all healthy, uh, that their families are doing well. Um, and you know, we're going to continue to prioritize communication and connection and, um, and then hopefully, you know, this thing subsides sooner rather than later. And we're able to kind of get back to whatever the new normal is, but, but get back to being around one another and continuing to build the family outside of the family. And I think um, right now that that's, that's all we can do, but there's, you know, I think, listen, I think good people breed good people, right. You know, like I will tell you that Kevin Dempsey, you know, I worked with him for four or five years now at the college of Charleston. Um, the majority, probably 99% of how I am and who I am as a, as a leader and as a coach came from, came from Kevin. Um, Kevin's an amazing person. Kevin is also surrounded by a bunch of amazing people. I think it's because amazing people 
have a tendency to attract others, other like-minded people. Um, so, you know, I can't wait to get around to get around the players because um, they're a bunch of really good kids. They bring out the best of me, and um, I'm excited to get I'm excited to get them back together because uh, I do <laughs> I miss you know I'm I'm here with my family. I'm here with my boys, but I miss um, I miss that side of my family. Mm-hmm. So, well, that that leads us to our um, my last question of any interview that I do now, um, <laughs> podcast or wherever this ends up, uh, is you know my tax talk that I did that I've talked to you about, and the title of my podcast is Fifty Cups of Coffee: The Concept of Just Connecting for the Sake of Connecting. It's not for networking, it's not for climbing a ladder, and it can sometimes lend itself to that. So I'll always ask every guest or coach or anybody I interview. To end with, do you have a cool uh, or just a, what I call a 50 cups of coffee story? So it's because you connected with someone, it led to something. Uh, it doesn't have to be profound or grand or a cool story. It could even be how you met, you know, the, the coaching college uh, at Rutgers or how you connected with Kevin or how you connected with your buddy at NC State, whatever it is. Um, do you have a story that's just a good kind of I, – I, I ask these so that hopefully – people listening are, you know, this is going to go really specifically to coaches, but I'm going to share it with anybody too, um, are encouraged to make connection a priority. So that's why I ask it. Do you have anything that comes to mind? Yeah. You know, it's, it's probably maybe not necessarily in the same realm of what maybe you've heard in the past. Um, it's, but it's my personal story of probably the most important connection that I've ever made in my life. And, and maybe not realizing it at the time, um, you know, and I, and I didn't, I never really thought about this until last year's 2018 season. Um, we were playing, we were getting ready to play a game at St. John's. It was going to be a nationally televised game. And the St. John's, uh, the, the big East was televising the game. So the, uh, the, the, the broadcaster called me the day before to ask me some questions about our team and um, learn a little bit about our program. And one of the things that he asked me was um, what was one of the greatest parts about being an undergrad at Rutgers? Uh, What was the greatest parts about like Rutgers, Rutgers soccer? You know, you came from Rutgers soccer. What's the greatest part about Rutgers soccer? And um, that was when it kind of dawned on me and I had kind of like that light bulb moment. Um, I said the greatest thing that uh, my experience as an undergrad and as a coach at Rutgers gave me was something that they probably never knew that they gave me. Um, when I was young, um, you know, probably from 1988 to 1998, probably ten, a good 10 year span. I don't think my dad and I ever missed a Rutgers soccer home game, uh, every Friday night, all fall long from August through November, we would be at Rutgers watching a Rutgers soccer game on a Friday night. And uh, honestly, I never thought about it until that interview that the greatest thing that Rutgers ever gave me was not my diploma. It was not a job. Um, it afforded me a connection with my father uh, mm-hmm. because I look back on that and, um, you know, he has, I think maybe like many parents and children, um, you know, your relationship fluctuates times when it's really, really good. Um, maybe when you're young and you lack perspective times when it's not as good. Um, and, um, but my, I remember 
I remember vividly the experience of sitting up in the stands with my father watching those teams play. Uh, and even in moments where uh, we didn't always see eye to eye on things, the way that we would bond uh, over a game that we both loved um, and just sharing those 90 minutes together uh, in the stands. Or maybe when I was a young kid, my dad sitting up in the stands by himself while he handed me over the railing to the Rutgers assistant coach so that I could go be a ball boy during the game. And I look back on that and the times that my dad sat by himself up in the stands because his five-year-old kid was running around on the sidelines as a ball boy. Um, you know, my dad and I are where we are today with our relationship. I think, you know, I think that was a huge part of, of the building of our relationship. Um, so when I think about connection and I think about relationship building and the power of that, um, I think about all those nights that we spent up in the metal bleachers at Yershak Field at Rutgers University watching, watching that game. And, and anytime somebody ever asked me about my experience at Rutgers or what do you think about Rutgers or it never comes back to the games. It never comes back to, you know, a class that I took. Um, it always comes back to thinking about those nights sitting with my dad on Friday nights at Rutgers watching that team play. And the moments where they would score a big goal in overtime and we would be jumping up and down with 5,000 people in the stands, hugging each other, and just how my relationship with my father grew. The greatest gift that that university ever gave me was my relationship with my dad, and they probably have no idea about mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe I took that in a little bit of a different direction. <laughs> no, that's perfect, Mike. That's uh, one of the best answers because um, – you know, I can't say it enough. And if people listen to this podcast regularly or any of the stuff we put out regularly, I will sound like a broken record with this when I say, when I challenge people to have 50 conversations in a year, um, it sounds like a big number until you pull yourself away from the professional realm and say, I'm talking with your kids. I'm talking with your parents. I'm talking with your, your good friends who you're great friends with, but when's the last time you just sat down to just talk with them? Um, and just taking time to be intentional about that. And right now, I, I said weeks ago that this, this podcast wasn't going to continue to be about coronavirus, but I can't help that. <laughs> I keep bringing it to it because for me right now, you know, lacrosse season isn't happening. And um, what I'm finding is I coach and, and I miss that. And uh, if I was a player, I would certainly miss that. And more than anything, my brother and my dad and I are still having conversations about the lacrosse season that could have been and what's coming up. We always, we grew up in Syracuse, New York. So we were big Syracuse fans, our big Syracuse fans. Uh, there's news coming out now about what players are going to stay and who's leaving. And one player's transferring potentially to Syracuse. Another senior since the spring sports are, are going to get a fifth year. Are they going to stay? And, and one of their better players, Nick Mellon is not going to stay because he's, He's got a life to go live outside of sport. And at some level you, you honor his maturity with that. And as fans, like we are, 
that is what we connect over. And I think back to being a kid watching Syracuse games and we would go to the final four every year because it was usually in Baltimore or Philadelphia. And, and as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate how little that had to do with the sport other than the fact that we love the sport and it's something to, to connect over. Um, but how much it just has to do with uh, just shared time together. And, 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 and that's it. So um, that's, that's one of the best answers. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I think every coach has a philosophy, right? And my philosophy has always been to try to build my program and try to lead my program like a family. But when I look back on it now, it's not surprising because um, those times that I was really learning and growing a love for the sport of soccer, um, I look, you know, at the time you're a little kid and you're like, I'm going to the Rutgers game. I'm going to watch the game. And now I look back on it and I'm like, that the game was about spending time with my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, the game was about family. My coaching philosophy is about family. I, I think those things are correlated. I think I'd be naive to say that they're not. Um, I think how I was brought up in the game, it was more about spending time with my dad than it was about the game. And I didn't realize that at the time. I don't think you ever do when you're in that moment, especially when you're young, but, um, but I do now. And, um, and so I'm not surprised that my coaching philosophy very strongly probably mimics my upbringing in the sport. Yeah. Hey man, that's beautiful. Um, I can't thank you enough for doing this. You're right. You and I, you and I talk almost regularly enough that I never thought to, to do this <laughs> and record it. And, uh, and uh, I just, I thought this would have been uh, good for other coaches to hear uh, because of your, how you coach, how you live your life, your intentionality with your players and then my appreciation, I say it to you all the time, uh, my appreciation for you for the partnership that we have. Uh, when I start having conversations with coaches about working together, I bring up our partnership, yours and mine, because it is a partnership. And that is what makes this work. It's what makes it so that even during this time, we hop on a Zoom and we're still accomplishing some really awesome things. Because yeah. this isn't, I'm, I'm not some speaker who comes in at the beginning of the year to fire everybody up and then I don't see you again for another year. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's not what I think is most effective. And yeah. so I'm just so appreciative of, of the partnership. And, uh, and this, was, this was awesome to do. Thanks for yeah. hopping on here. You get out of it what you put into it. And yes. uh, you're a part of the family, man. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 50 Cups of Coffee podcast bonus episode. To hear from another coach we have worked with, go back to episode three when I sat down with Coach Joe Segula, head coach of UNC Women's Volleyball. I have also interviewed a four-time Super Bowl champion, coaches from the NBA and NFL, and Gordon Corsetti, who formerly worked with U.S. Lacrosse and today teaches coaches how to help student-athletes with mental health challenges. To connect with us, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bobby Audley and by visiting panotraininggroup.com, P-E-N-N-E-A-U, traininggroup.com. Thank <laughs> you.